celebrating 10 years of podcasting and online ministry, you are listening to the Bellator Christie Podcast, where we take Christian truth into the arena of ideas. Now, let's join our hosts, Dr. Brian Chilton and Curtis Evelo. Coming to you from Pilot Mountain, North Carolina, in Ronan, Montana. This is the Bellator Christie Podcast, and we are going retro. Uh, believe it or not, we are celebrating this month 10 years of podcasting ministry. We've been on the air 10 years. Uh, now, you say, wait a minute, this is season six. Yeah, well, the Bellator Christie started, start, podcast started off as a ministry called Redeeming Truth Radio on Blog Talk Radio, and uh, that uh, that started back in 2012. We uh, had the website going. I think it was pastorbrianchilton.wordpress.com. It later, all of that later morphed into the current ministry you see today, uh, which is Bellator Christie and the Bellator Christie podcast. And so uh, we are live. If you're listening to the recording of the podcast, we encourage you to come join us uh, for our party on Thursday nights at 8 p.m., 8-ish. Uh, it depends on how well the systems get up and going uh, today. The Internet uh, over here in uh, Mount Pilot, North Carolina, was running, running a little sluggish. Uh, but uh, thankfully, we've got that up and going, and we are rocking and rolling here uh, on the Bellator Christie Podcast. Again, celebrating 10 years, and it's just amazing to uh, see how God is is blessing this ministry, uh, the, the ways that he is really moving through this ministry. Believe it or not, ladies and gentlemen, it's hard to believe, but uh, this simple ministry as it is, uh, we have reached nearly every single nation in the world at some point in time. Someone has accessed uh, the podcast or has accessed one of our our, our um, articles. Uh, all but five nations, believe it or not, all but five nations have accessed uh, our podcast, our, our our podcast or the on or the uh, the um, written articles that we have. Uh, Curtis Evelo is with us. He was actually the first team member of Bellator Christie. He's joined us. I think this December marks Curtis, correct me if I'm wrong, three years, I believe. Yep. Third yep. year come December. Yep. And so we've assembled a, uh, I feel like uh, Nick Fury in the Avengers. I think we've assembled a, an all-star team of <laughs> scholars, church leaders alike. And uh, I've, I've said this before, and I really mean it with all my heart. I would put this team up against anyone uh, because we have, I, in my opinion, a top-notch team of individuals at Bellator Christie. And uh, anyhow, we've got some great things coming. Got some great things coming ahead on this uh, this podcast. This season is uh, we've got some great things coming up. We're, we're finishing out pneumatology, the study of the Holy Spirit, this week and next week. We have one more podcast, uh, one more episode to go next week. And then after that, we're going to have kind of a free-flowing uh, episode, kind of in between the two series. And then we're going to hit it hard. We have a, a series on soteriology, uh, the study of salvation. And uh, we've got uh, some guests guests coming to join us. We've got some incredible, incredible uh, podcasts or episodes on the way uh, coming up for that series as well. So 
Curtis and I were texting back and forth to get today, uh, sharing some resources with one another, and we are jacked about this series coming up. And so that'll be coming uh, your way here in a few weeks. So so buckle up. We've got we're we're in for a wild ride. And so without further ado, let's welcome on the man who needs no introduction. The champ is in the house. That is the one and only Curtis Envelope. Man, yeah. man, that that uh, that music, that intro music, um, just from, <laughs> oh man, it, it's so funny that because I remember I remember hearing some of that, you know, from back in the day. But yeah, that's pretty cool. You know, thinking about it, um, this ministry really kind of took off through the COVID time period. You know. Um, which is really kind of cool. I mean, this, uh, you know, either people were searching or, or we just had opportunities or, or whatever. And it just seems like it just kept rolling. So what a, what a cool thing to be involved with. And, and yeah, um, I I got to give a real quick shout out too, uh, because what really, um, what really helped me get a lot more publicity is a, a a wonderful ministry down in Charlotte, North Carolina, and I got to give a shout out to him, and that's Cross Examined and Dr. Frank Turek. Uh, he he was bold enough, brave enough to share some of my materials on Cross Examined, and uh, some of those resources took off. Uh, had other ministries uh, that's uh, shared articles, uh, shared my articles. Moral Apologetics is one of them. Uh, Reasons for Jesus is another. Had a few uh, hosted on the Christian Post. And really, accumulation of that type of exposure really helped build the base uh, for the ministry. And uh, but I, I really have to say, the one who really gave me my first big break as far as publishing uh, an article on a uh, on a big sphere, a big area, was Dr. Frank Turk and and Cross Examined. And I appreciate him, appreciate his ministry, and he's doing good things down in Charlotte. Yeah, I I enjoy. Dr. Frank Turk, you know what I mean? It, it just like everything else, just like every, every other person that that's in, in apologetics or in the ministry, it's not like we agree a hundred percent with them, nor vice versa, you know, but my goodness, the work that that guy does and, and how he brings things into clarity and allowing others to be able to challenge those thoughts he doesn't get shaken doesn't get taken off of it and i just wish i I literally wish and and pray that i'm i'm half the guy that he is in this in his ability to be able to discuss with people i mean he is just so good at it well he well he is and i know that there's a great temptation um in, in the modern apologetic circles to break off and segment into different factions now, I know we have our disagreements. Mm-hmm. I know there are certain – we're going to talk about our, some of the disagreements we have with other branches when we go come into soteriology because there's no way around it. Uh, you have to deal with those issues as you're dealing with soteriology. Uh, but I, I think we've made a grave mistake about turning on one another in apologetics ministry instead of focusing on the mission at hand, and that's teaching people about the truths of Christianity. And so I think that there's a lot of times in the apologetic community, we want to lash out at one another and we want to throw stones at one another. And I think that is a very much of a wrong headed way of going about things. Right. Um, 
you know, and and, and I and I stand by that. I, I really believe that because there are people. I mean, I may not, I may agree or disagree with uh, with another apologist on several different issues, but but I'm still going to respect them and I'm still going to appreciate them as a as a brother and sister in Christ. So I think I think we need to be a little more gracious to one another than what we are um, in modern times. But that's my soapbox, and I'll, I'll step off my soapbox now. <laughs> well, it's, I mean, just even even within the ministry, even within Bellator Christi, we don't a hundred percent agree with every single thing. We we fall in line, and we're and there's things that we um, that we freely can discuss and freely can be. I mean, like you may hold the, a little bit harder in one position, and I'm a little bit softer in one position, and vice versa. Sure. And I think that's what makes Christianity so darn awesome is because because within it, as long as we don't get, um, for lack of a better word, tribalistic, we then can allow people to to celebrate Christ and walk with him as, as he's speaking to them through the word or in their actions. It, it just allows for some freedom for people. I just absolutely, most no, certainly. Anyway, did you want to recap some of what we did yet last week, and then we'll jump right into? Yeah, absolutely. Last podcast, we had a great time on uh, starting this topic on the symbols of the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. We uh, hit on uh, the first three. We're going to wrap up with the last two that we're going to cover because there's five major symbols of the Holy Spirit. Uh, one's the innocent dove. Second is the uh, purging fire. Third is the mighty wind. Uh, we talked about those three last week. This week we'll talk about the cleansing water and the anointed, uh, anointed oil. And we mentioned last week that the symbol of the innocent dove uh, speaks of the peace of God that comes by the Holy Spirit to an individual and to nations, we even spoke of the uh, the reference of uh, Noah's Ark. And if you recall, uh, he sent out a white dove that represents the Holy Spirit. The dove went out and came back uh, to to the ark, uh, signifying the fact that they, they found land and was leading them to uh, a place of refuge and safety. And so the, the raven uh, went out, the black raven went out and did not come back. Uh, it was kind of selfish. That represents the spirit of Satan. At least many Jewish, ancient Jewish uh, theologians believe that as well. So the uh, purging fire represents the purification that comes by the Holy Spirit. Uh, it also represents the protective influence of the Holy Spirit and uh, the the judgment sometimes that comes by and through uh, the Holy Spirit. And then we talked about the mighty wind. Uh, wind represents vitality in life. We we mentioned how wind is necessary. Uh, if you remember that uh, as we are even speaking now, uh, the wind is is going out of our lungs across our vocal cords. And, and so you're even hearing our, the sound of our voice because the wind, the breath that is in our body. And likewise, wind represents vitality in life. Uh, wind also represents presence. And so when we talk about the Holy Spirit, we're talking about the presence of God. And so uh, that's where we left off last week. And this week, we're jumping ahead as we talk about the cleansing water and anointing oil as they represent uh, the Holy Spirit. They, they represent certain things about the Holy Spirit as well. Mm-hmm. And I challenged, I challenged our listeners, and, I, and I'm just, 
if if somebody wants to type in or, or email in or even just interact on on YouTube or whatever, but or Facebook, but I challenged our listeners last week, Brian, to think about how they're letting the Holy Spirit move them. And I use the reference um, when we when we we don't see the wind moving unless we have something that's animated, something that can be animated by the wind. Like a tree, if I can give that example, when the tr- when the wind blows, the tree moves, the leaves move. It does what the what the wind is wanting it to do. And so, I challenged our listeners: at what point and where, um, it, what's the Holy Spirit doing in their lives? How are they letting Him move? And I think um, for myself, just for example, for myself. I let I I wanted to act out in in my flesh this week in a, in a situation that that a person brought up to me, um and and I and I just I pulled back a little bit I didn't finish the what I was gonna say, and it was almost like the Holy Spirit just said thank you thank you for just letting me have this <laughs> you know and so yeah and so it really. Um, it really made me kind of like, all right, yeah, maybe I, maybe there are points in my life where I need to slow down and, and let the spirit just move or do the things. It's not that I need to slow down and just, you know, now put it in first gear. No, I'm just saying, just back off just a little bit, give the spirit just a, just a little bit of time to click in there and, and take over. Absolutely. Absolutely. I agree. And sometimes it's very important. I mean, we live in a very hustle bustle time, yeah. and so it is important to just kind of slow down, let the spirit lead, let the spirit um, guide us in life. Mm-hmm. One thing that uh, was brought up to me today, as I was driving into work, it just this this verse popped into my head in John four, after he's done talking with the woman in the well, woman at the well. Jesus says to his disciples, look, look around. The fields are ripe for harvest. That's that's not um, he wasn't talking about the, the, the fields in in as far as agricultural wise. He was talking about the fields of the people coming, the opportunity for the conveyance of the gospel and the opportunity for discipleship to take place absolutely so i guess we need to jump on in this (laughs) i just (laughs) a bunch of of hairy to cover here that's good stuff though my friend so how does we'll go back to number six question six we have here how does the symbol of the cleansing water describe the holy spirit well, we have we have four passages of scripture we want to read, and um, I see. Well, I'll go ahead and read the first one, and Curtis, if you'll read the second two, and then I'll come back and read the last one because the last one's pretty kind of lengthy. Um, so I'll go ahead and tackle that one. Uh, but we're going to see that uh, the, the the cleansing water reveals several different things about the Holy Spirit. Living water is often associated uh, with the Holy Spirit of God. And so let's take a look at 1 John 4, 9. 
this is uh, speaking of, John speaks of knowing God through love. He says, let us love one another because God, it, because love is from God. And everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. We're going back up to verse 7. Verse 8, the one who does not love does not know God because God is love. Okay, very important point there. Verse 9, and this is what we're looking at. God's love was revealed among us in this way. God sent his one and only son into the world so that we might live through him. Uh, the spirit is identified as uh, providing us life. Now you say, well, how is this representing water? Well, if you go back to the teaching of John, this is this correlates back with uh, Jesus' teaching in John uh, chapter 3, where he's talking about the new life. Uh, he talks about uh, in John 4, and we'll, we, we'll read this, uh, the living water that comes through the Holy Spirit of God. So God's love, the, the presence of God is identified as this living water that is uh, applied to our lives, that cleanses us, it transforms us and changes us. So while it's not necessarily there specifically the concept is there if you go back to the teachings of jesus in john chapter three so you had one you mentioned curtis psalm one right psalm one and and it was it's one of those where we got under we gotta just take it in i'll just read this i'll just read the whole thing heck with it i enjoy reading (laughs) It says, Psalm 1, Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is is in the law of the Lord, and in the law he meditates day and night. He is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruits in in its seasons, and and its leaves... Its leaf does not wither. In all that he does, he prospers. The wicked are not so, but are like chaff that the wind drives away. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. And what I was... was, It talks about flowing streams. Yeah. Um, yes. Or so irrigation channels is another way of wording that. And so yeah. that water, that cleansing water, that purifying water there beside the trees. Th- this is also an image when we read Ezekiel, this is going to become more prevalent. But we see this in Revelation, the 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 water flowing from the throne of God mm. and everything it touches. We're going to see this in, I think, Ezekiel, if I'm not mistaken. I may be mistaken, but I don't think I am. But this water, everything it touches grows and, and expands. It, it brings forth life. And so it's talking, that's in many ways talking about the presence of God flowing forth abundantly, uh, reaching out, and uh, everything it touches, it he he gives life to it and so it's a powerful metaphor uh what were you going to say there curtis no i'd say i was just going to say that's right and 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 even here's another thought that when you just said that through ezekiel i was also just it just hit me um coming out of eden what came out of eden the the four rivers Mm -hmm. flowing water flowing living acting water what do they call what do they call flowing water? They call it live water. 
Mm-hmm. Well, that isn't by happens, happenstance. It's because it's percolating. It's giving air. It's giving oxygen. It's giving, giving life and moving and animating things. Pretty powerful. Absolutely. So John 4, 14 is our next reference. Uh, do you have that for us? Yep. This is, again, talking about where Jesus meets with uh, the woman at the well and notice this. Go ahead and go back to verse 13. Okay. Uh, that's perfect. This. Yep. Uh, and in verse 13, he says, Jesus said to her, everyone who drinks of the water, this water, will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks of the water that I will give him will never be thirsty again. The water that I will give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. So there again, you have that illustration of the Holy Spirit being like this living water flowing up uh, abundantly coming to individuals, bringing forth life. Whenever the whatever the spirit touches brings forth life, and so uh, he, he br- brings forth that springing forth that living water within us, and so there's a clear metaphor, and I think John is referencing that as well uh, in the First John four reference. But let's go over to Ezekiel, Ezekiel chapter forty seven, uh, and this is verses one through twelve, uh, Ezekiel chapter forty seven, uh, one through twelve. Uh, well, okay. Thought I had it here. Okay, yeah. This, uh, I was thinking this was one. So then he brought me back. Uh, Ezekiel's talking here. Uh, he brought me back to the entrance of the temple, and there was water flowing from under the threshold of the temple toward the east, for the temple faced east. The water was coming down from under the south side of the threshold of the temple south of the altar. Uh, Next, he brought me out by way of the north gate and led me around the outside of the outer gate that faced east. Uh, There the water was trickling from the south side. As the man went out east with a measuring line in his hand, he measured off a third of a mile. He led me through the water. He came up to my ankles. Then he measured off a third of a mile, and it led me through, through the water. It came up to my knees. He measured off another third of a mile and and led me through the water. It came up to my waist. Again, he measured off a third of a mile, a bunch of thirds here. And it was a river, a a river that I, uh, he said, I could not cross on foot for the water had risen. It was deep enough to swim in a river that could not be crossed on foot. He asked me, do you see this son of man? Then he led me back to the bank of the river. When I had returned, I saw a very large number of trees along both sides of the river bank. He said to me, this water flows out of the eastern region and goes down to the Arabah. When it enters the sea, the sea of foul water, the water of the sea became fresh. Notice what happens here. Mm-hmm. When, when the water of God, the presence of God, whatever it touches... Uh, it turns the foul water to fresh. It turns arid lands to rich vegetation. Um, he says every kind of living creature that swarms will live wherever the river flows, and there will be a huge number of fish because this water goes there. This water that was formerly bitter, life could not sustain in it, is now fresh and abundantly uh, has animal life of every kind. Since the water will become fresh, there will be life everywhere the river goes. Picture this. 
This water represents the Holy Spirit. Fishermen will stand beside it from Engedi to El Galeum. There will become places where nets are spread out to dry. Their fish will consist of many different kinds, like the fish of the Mediterranean Sea. Yet its swamps and marshes will not be healed, yet they, they will be left for assault. All kinds of trees providing food will grow along both banks of the river. Their leaves shall not wither, and their fruit shall not fail. Each month they shall bear fresh fruit because the water comes from the sanctuary. Their fruit will be used for eating and their leaves for healing. This There's also another imagery in the book of Revelation that's very comparable to this. And in my book on heaven, I'm going to come back and there's a concept that I think that this teaches, but I'm going to wait till the book comes out to share it, to share the details of it, uh, because I, I, I think it's really important uh, to, to pick this up. But I will say this. The image is clear. God does not bring forth death. God mm-hmm. brings forth abundant life. Mm-hmm. And so that Holy Spirit represented by that living water brings forth living brings forth life to everything and everyone it touches he touches and so that's the imagery we see of the holy spirit so what do we gather from these references there are many other references we can mention as well well the holy spirit being the cleansing water represents the fact that he is cleansing he purifies us though our sins be like scarlet the scripture tells us he will wash them as white as snow I want us to stop and pause here for a moment, and I want everyone listening to the sound of my voice to just just listen here for a moment. A lot of times we beat ourselves up over something that's happened in days gone past, good days gone by because of our past. We think that God can't surely forgive us for something we've done. We think that we're just too dirty. We're too guilty to be cleansed. Not so. If this image holds true, where God can take uh, a salt water, perhaps even the Dead Sea, uh, and maybe mm-hmm. even the Dead Sea region, and turn it into salt water, turn it to, to, to fresh water, and have every type of wildlife there imaginable, he can certainly forgive you of your sins mm-hmm. and wash you and cleanse you as white as snow. Never underestimate the amazing forgiving power of our God. He loves you. He has a plan for your life. He wants to forgive you. He wants to have a covenant relationship with you. So this cleansing power, this cleansing um, illustration found in the water represents the power of the Holy Spirit to forgive us, to wash us, to give us a clean and pure heart and to set us on the right path. Does that mean that we're not going to mess up? doesn't mean that at all. But you know what? We have an advocate in the Holy Spirit who's there with us, helping us along the way uh, when we when we make mistakes. He not only cleanses us, he revives us. He brings forth life. I, we mentioned this on last week's podcast, but it bears repeating uh, this week as well. The same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead lives and abides within you if you have a covenant relationship with Jesus Christ. Mm. And and as we studied at Fellowship just last night in our Bible study, the last chapter of Daniel, we have the promise, and we're going to talk about this when we get to soteriology, and there's other sections we're going to look at, and we're going to talk about this as well. But uh, understand this, 
when you die, death is just an illusion. Death is just an illusion. Um, when you die, to be absent from this body means that you're going to be in the very presence of the living God, the very presence of God Almighty. Even the book of Ecclesiastes in the Old Testament tells us that when we die, our body returns to dust, but our spirit returns to God who gave it. Hmm. But that's not the end of the story. The amazing thing is, is when Christ returns, we have the promise that this body of flesh, even though it may be just a sprinkle of dust by that time, we have the promise that he's going to resurrect us with a glorious new spiritual body unlike anything you can think or imagine. I told the folks at Fellowship last night, I really believe that we, we, we learn about, we, we, uh, we see these superhero movies. I think we're going to have the power of Superman amplified. Well, you know, who knows? I think we're going to be able to do all kinds of different things that we can never even imagine in this body. Paul gives us the illustration that this body is like the moon, the light from the moon, whereas the glorified body is going to be like the light from the sun. It's that big of a difference. Of course, we know that the light from the moon is just a reflection of the sun, but but that's that's the illustration given. There's there's the glory in this body, but the glory in the next body will be even even better. Philip writes here. He says, "That's right, Brian. You and I had conversations not lot, too long ago. Uh, I really appreciate that and love that fact. And I agree with you, Philip. Uh, we have that precious promise of eternal life. So the Spirit is cleansing. He's reviving, and He's also refreshing. He refreshes us. Uh, he helps us along life's journey." Curtis, as you were talking about previously, uh, just earlier uh, on the podcast about how the Spirit was guiding you, refreshing you because of some um, issue that you faced. That's the symbol we find here in this cleansing water of the Holy Spirit. He refreshes us. Um, I think Ambrose, uh, one of the early church fathers, writes in a book called Of the Holy Spirit. I want to read you something that he wrote because I think this is powerful. He says, do we not, in the likeness of what is done, recognize the oneness of the divine power? The Spirit raises after the same manner as the Lord raised at the time of his own passion, when suddenly, in the twinkling of an eye, the graves of the dead were opened, and the bodies living again arose from the tombs, and the smell of death being removed. Think about that. There's, I work in hospice. That There's a smell associated with death. That's going to be no more. The smell of death is removed, he says. Um, The smell of death being removed and the scent of life restored. The ashes of those who were dead took again the likeness of the living. That's the power of the Holy Spirit. And that's what we find in this illustration of the cleansing water. Powerful, powerful illustration. Mm. Yeah, I was just thinking how Jesus, when uh, there was a ritual going on and they were celebrating a a festival and they're, and they're actually pouring the water back out and Jesus stands up. He says, cause it's, it's called, it's, it's called the festival of the living water. And, and, and he stands up and he stands up in the crowd and he says, I am, I am the one. I am the living water. Those who those who seek that come to me. I will give them life. I will give them refreshment. So that's a paraphrase. Um, but it it's it's um it's really I didn't realize 
until we started doing this, how many times Jesus references water and yet he's also references, you could say, the Father. So in that, he's he's saying, look, the Holy Spirit is with me. I'm, you know, I'm the son. I, I talk to the father. The Trinity is right there within them all. Absolutely. I, I think if you take a look at the scriptures and you really, you really look at the teachings of Jesus, the teaching of the New Testament writers, I, I, in my opinion, and maybe I'm too bold in this assessment, but I think it's there. I think you have a clear testimony to the triune nature of God, Father, Son, Holy Spirit mm-hmm. in several passages of scripture. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, number seven, in what ways does the symbol of the anointed oil depict the Holy Spirit? i tell you what, Curtis, if you will, let's go ahead and I'll let you read the first one, Revelation 6. 6. Uh, we've got about, looks like, six passages of Scripture uh, that we're going to cover here sure. uh, as we talk about the anointed oil. Now, let, let me just say, as you're turning there, and folks, if uh, at home, if you're watching and you want to join us, feel free to, to turn your copy of scriptures mm-hmm. to, as well. Mm-hmm. Um, anointed oil, the 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 symbol of an, of the anointing oil, is very very important with the Holy Spirit. Even the term Christ Messiah means anointed one now what used to happen in days gone past and days gone by in the old testament times is that prophets used to anoint kings and even other prophets the prophets were anointed themselves individuals who were called by god to do a particular task they they had oil poured over their head it was a symbol of the spirit upon them uh oil was associated with uh with with the holy spirit even from earliest times so even the term christ or messiah meaning anointed one has this connotation with the symbol of oil Uh, so that's one of the reasons we save this one for last because there's a lot of depth in -hmm. this symbol so uh revelation 6 6 Mm -hmm. so revelation 6 6 it's it states here and i heard what seemed to be a voice in the midst of the four living creatures saying a quart of wheat for a denarius, three quarts of barley for a denarius and do not harm the oil and wine. So we see the importance of oil. Um, We may not have a direct reference there to the Holy spirit, but we see that the oil is important. Um, But, but there is this connotation uh, this drawn out from between oil and the Holy Spirit. Uh, I was looking up. I'm not exactly sure how I got that reference. <laughs> I have to blame it on one of the theology books I looked at. <laughs> mm. Let's take a look at uh, Mark six thirteen, and I'll read this one. But yeah, even still there, we see the importance of oil. Uh, oil was in the temple. You can make that, uh, yep. that, that parallel there as well. And um, and so uh, we we see that connection made there. Mark six thirteen, Mark six thirteen, and um, this is where Jesus is uh, casting out demons. And notice that they said um, that they drove out many demons, anointed many sick people with oil, and healed them. Now the uh, now it's and the the ministry of anointing with people with oil is very important. There's no power in the oil itself, 
But when you anoint an individual with oil, what you're doing is you're representing that Holy Spirit's association with that person. You believe in the power of the Holy Spirit and that linking together of the anointing oil and the Holy Spirit, understanding it is done uh, by the power of the Holy Spirit. That's where the power is found. So even the whole process of anointing people with oil is connected to that idea of uh, the illustration of uh, oil being uh, like the Holy Spirit or the Holy Spirit being like oil. Mm-hmm. So Numbers 4, 9 is where we'll go next. So Numbers 4, uh, verse 9, it says, And they shall take a cloth of blue and cover the lampstand for the light, and its lamps, its tongs, its trays, and all the vessels for oil with which it is supplied. Here again, I think that the, the, the connotation is, is showing what the, uh, I was looking some of these references in a, a couple of theology books. And I think the, the point that's being made with refer, Revelation 6, 6, mm-hmm. Numbers 4, 9, and probably what I'm getting ready to read in is Exodus 25, 6, is that oil was very important in the inner workings of the temple. Well, so likewise, so. that oil is, is, uh, understood to be, um, to symbolize the the ministry of the Holy Spirit in the inner temple in the in the temple complex, uh, and so uh, this is probably going to say something the same thing. Exodus twenty five verse six. Um, let's go over here twenty five verse six. Um, so yeah, here it talks about oil for the light, spices for the anointing oil, and fragrant incense. Again, talking about. Uh, things that were important for uh, the temple complex uh, in in the tabernacle in the temple uh, in in the, even the holy of holies. The oil was was to feed the light. It prepared uh, uh, the, uh, the the fuel f- for for the light to burn for the flame to burn. Mm-hmm. And so, in many ways, is that underlying fuel providing the light, providing the fire. And so, likewise, the Holy Spirit provides us that inner working. Uh, to shine the light of God through our lives. So Matthew 25, verses 3 through 8. We'll look at a couple other passages here. Uh, Matthew 25, verses 3 through 8. Well, if I if you look back at here, this is the parable that Jesus was telling of the ten virgins. Um, and if we kind of think about that, I can I can just kind of jump into there. Um, verse 3, but, but remember, this is what he was talking about. He's talking about the kingdom of heaven is like right. um, mm-hmm. yeah we like that so um verse three for when the foolish took their lamps they took no oil with them but the wise took flas- flasks of oil with their lamps and as the bridegroom was delayed they all became drowsy and slept but at midnight there was a cry here's the bridegroom come out and meet him then all those virgins rose and trimmed their lamps And the foolish said to the wise, give us some of your oil, for our lamps are going out. And I think think what's important about that is, well, uh, verse 13. Sure. Yeah, yeah. Yep. So verse uh, verse 8, end of verse 8, their lamps are going out. But then uh, verse 9, but the wise answered, saying, since there will not be enough for us and for you, Go rather to the, to the dealers and buy your buy for yourselves. And while they were going to buy, the bridegroom came, and those who were ready went in with him to the marriage feast. Oof. And the door was shut. 
Afterward, the other virgins came also saying, Lord, Lord, open to us. But he answered, truly, I say to you, I do not know you. Ouch. Watch, therefore, for you know neither the day nor the hour. There are a lot of things going on with that parable. Um, The oil was very important because, and I think here's where the connection can be made to the other passages of Scripture that we referenced when it was talking about uh, the oil being necessary for the lamps, the oil being necessary for uh, the ministry of of the temple complex. Uh, I think that's where the connection is made here, that the oil is providing that internal fuel to provide light. Now, we have the light of God in our lives, but mm. we only have the light of God in our lives because of that indwelling Holy Spirit. We'll talk about the indwelling coming up next week in our final episode on pneumatology. But it's it's interesting here because notice that oil represents the Holy Spirit in this in this uh this parable. And so those who had the the Holy Spirit were allowed in the kingdom allowed into the banquet feast those who did not they delayed they said well we'll put it off uh you know what we'll we'll wait until later well when the bridegroom came to come get the bride it was in the middle of the night mm-hmm. now there's something else going on in this passage of scripture that came out as is kind of a byproduct in my dissertation cuz cuz this is actually one of the parables I studied uh for the dissertation one of the interest, and by the way, it scored very well. This one did. It scored probably the best of, in, of the parables I, I examined. The interesting thing is that most likely, many commentators believe that that um, that the fire by these lamps would have revealed the identity of these women and would have allowed the guards to let them in. But you're ta- probably talking. You're talking about a time that didn't. They didn't have electricity. They didn't have lamps like we do. And so chances are highly likely when they shut the door, they had no way to prove who it was outside the, the gate because this was in the middle of the night. They they didn't have the light. The light wasn't exposing who they were. They had no way of identifying who these people were. So the going thought is because they didn't have any oil, they they couldn't light the lamp. That way they couldn't be identified. Likewise, that Holy Spirit is kind of like that identifier. Is the Bible tells us that the Holy Spirit is God's seal upon us that we that we've been saved. So there are many multiple multiple things going on in this parable, showing how uh, the Holy Spirit is connected with that whole imagery of the oil, a powerful in a powerful powerful fashion. Mm. Let me close. Let me close out our scripture readings on the uh, anointing oil over in Zechariah chapter four. Uh, mm-hmm. Give me just a second to turn over here. This one is an amazing illustration. Um, Zechariah chapter four. Zechariah is just an amazing book, anyhow. I think so. This is one of the visions that uh, Zechariah has. This is the f- the fifth vision. It's called the vision of the lampstand, the gold lampstand. And um, he says, the angel who was speaking with me then returned and roused me as one awakened out of sleep. He asked me, what do you see? I replied, I see a a solid gold lampstand with a bowl at the top. The lampstand also has seven lamps at the top with seven spouts for each of the lamps. There are also two olive trees beside it, (laughs) one on the right of the bowl 
and the heather on its left. Now, where do you get olive oil mm. from? Well, mm. olive trees. Um, then I asked the angel who was speaking with me, what are these, my Lord? Don't you know what they are? Replied the angel who was speaking with me. I said, no, my Lord. So he answered, this is the word of the Lord to Zerubbabel, not by strength nor by might, but by my spirit, says the Lord of armies. What are you, great mountain? Before Zerubbabel, you become a plain. And he will bring out the capstone accompanied by shouts of grace, grace to it. Now, here's the amazing thing. Whoo, man, powerful stuff. There is an unending, abundant supply of this oil feeding into these lampstands, providing the light for the people of God. This is the revelation of God coming from the Holy Spirit, continuously nourishing, providing oil to these lampstands, providing that endless flame uh, coming to this lampstand. This amazing, powerful image that Zechariah sees. And this power, the power of the Spirit is so great that he says this, moving through Zerubbabel so mightily that he could say to this mountain, be moved, and that mountain becomes a plain. Well, what did Jesus tell us? Did not Jesus tell us the same thing? Mm-hmm. He said, you can mm-hmm. say to this mountain, be moved, and it will be moved. Uh, that's mm-hmm. the power, not by our power, but it's by the power of the Holy Spirit moving through us. So what do we find in this? So here are the symbolic references we find of the anointed oil uh, in the symbol of the, in its symbolic reference to the Holy Spirit. Five things. First of all, we see the healing attribute of the Holy Spirit. Uh, oil had a medicinal um, a trait to it. Uh, oil was used many times for medicinal purposes. Uh, it would heal people, heal people of wounds, of cuts and things of that nature. So it's healing. It's also illuminating. The Holy Spirit illuminates truths for us. Uh, he reminds us of truths we found in God's word. It's empowering. He's empowering. He empowers us to do the task that God has called us to do. He's restorative. He restores us uh, when we fall. But he's also revealing. Uh, he reveals truths to us as well. Now, I want to read a quite a lengthy, um, um, and I may not read all of it. I don't know. Um, it's, it's, a, it's a quote by Cyril of, of Jerusalem. And I, I want to read just a little portion of this. He says, For Christ was not anointed by men with oil or material ointment, but by the Father having been appointed, having before appointed him to be the Savior of the whole world, anointed him with the Holy Ghost, as Peter says, Jesus of Nazareth, whom God anointed with the Holy Ghost. David also, uh, the prophet, cried, saying, Thy throne, O God, is forever and ever. A scepter of righteousness is the scepter of thy kingdom. Thou hast loved righteousness and hated iniquity. Therefore, God, even thy God, has anointed thee with the oil of gladness above thy fellows, as was Christ, uh, was in reality crucified and buried and raised. And you are in baptism counted worthy of being crucified, buried, and raised together with him in light. So anyhow, he goes on down to say, uh, talking about the oil of gladness, talking about the Holy Spirit of God. But he's talking about that, how Christ was anointed to the Holy Spirit, uh, that unending flow, supply, as he was the anointed one of God. But through Christ and through the day of, of uh, Pentecost, we also have that unending supply of the Holy Spirit uh, given to us 
uh, in and through Christ Jesus. Amazing, amazing metaphor uh, is the whole metaphor of the anointing oil. Mm. And I wanted to I wanted to just add in on this, Brian, in James five, verse 13 down through uh, 15, it says, is any anyone among you suffering? Let him pray. Is anyone cheerful? Let him sing praise. Is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church and let him let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of the faith, prayer of faith will save the one who is sick and the Lord will raise him up. And if he has committed sins, he will be. Pretty amazing when you think about. What was that last word? It it cut out. Oh, uh, it says uh, it says. And if and if he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. Forgiven. Okay. Yeah. It, it cut out yep. for some reason. <laughs> oh, that's too bad. But my 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 point was we're, we're to we're to even it, there's nothing special in oil when 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 we're called as elders to go up in front of uh, and, and pray over people or whatever and anoint them with oil. There's nothing special in the oil, but what it is is a symbol or even a a a um you could say a touch point for us to be able to commit to praying for this person and, and allow the Holy spirit to come over them and cleanse them and, and help uh, heal them if necessary, whatever is wrong. Just like what James said, it it's, it's a, it's a touch point for us, but also it's symbolic of the Holy spirit actually being involved in what we're doing at that moment. Absolutely. So good deal. Well, this is uh, tell you what, Curtis. Before we wrap up, I want to read one quick thing, and we may come back on this because, believe it or not, we only have one podcast remaining in our in our series on pneumatology, the study of the Holy Spirit, Uh, and we're going to talk about the anointing and the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. We oh may touch back on this uh, again a little bit next week, uh, but I want to read to you uh, as, as just kind of a way of, of wrapping this thing up and putting a nice bow on it. When the Holy Spirit of God comes upon us, there's going to be evidence of, of uh, as he manifests himself in our lives. And it's so very important because, and this goes back to, to the first things we were mentioning, I mean, because about some of those individuals that helped me get my start and we were talking about, um, you know, differences of opinion people have and mm. and things of that nature. It, it's important we understand that the fruit of the Holy Spirit, those things that he manifests through us are as follows. The fruit of the Holy Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness. And self-control. Now, those th- that is evidence of the Holy Spirit's working in our lives. Now, does that mean that we're going to always be loving and always be patient? Well, I hope that's not the case because <laughs> Lord knows I'm not always patient. That's probably what I struggle with the most of all the fruit. Um, 
And I, I declare, I think the Lord tries to build patience in me because it seems like I hit every stoplight in five counties when I need to be somewhere. Um, but those are things that God's working out. And these are things that we need to pursue as we grow in our Christian life, uh, that we, uh, that we pursue love, joy, peace, patience, goodness, kindness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control, because that is the evidence of the Holy Spirit's work in our lives. And those are the things we need to pursue in our lives. And so in this, in this world, it's, we, we don't hear that a lot. We, we, uh, in fact, it seems like people emphasize the, the, the opposite of that. But I think as we're growing in our Christian life and we're growing in our walk, we, we need to really strive to and ask the Lord to produce that fruit in and through our lives. And, and you'll be a blessing to others in ways you can't imagine. If you just simply let the Lord take control and and let Him manifest Himself through your life, mm, that's good. Just to uh, to cap off exactly what you're saying, you're talking about bearing fruit, and 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 the fruit is going to be revealed in in certain things. But I want to just re- go back and read Psalm one, and I'm going to read verse two, three. Uh, verse two and three says, but, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. That's scripture. And on this law, he meditates day and night. That's praying. That's seeking God. That's reading the word. That's, that's digging through, letting it, letting it, uh, letting it examine you as you read the scripture. Then verse three, it says, he is like a plea, a tree who is. Who 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 is he referring to? He's referring to the person that's that's seeking the law of the Lord, who's who's meditating on it. And it says, He is like a tree planted by the streams of water that yields its fruit in its season. What fruit is that? Peace, patience, kindness, all of those. <laughs> and its leaf does not wither. In all that he does, he prospers. That's not meaning that you're gonna be you're gonna be uh, rolling in the dough, but it's it's the things that you set forth in in what God has put forth in your plan in in your path for you to do and to take care of. You will he will bring forth that fruit, and he will uh, prosper you in, in that fruit bearing. Mm-hmm. Powerful stuff. Absolutely. So, well, that's uh, that's the wrap on that one there, Brian. So we here at Bellator Christie want to thank you for spending time together with us, and we value that time. Our prayers that this podcast helps stretch your mind and becomes a place to strengthen your faith as we strive to create an atmosphere of discussion and a reliable source of information. Join us next time on the Bellator Christie podcast. And until next time, Brian and I say, soldier on, friends. You've been listening to the Bellator Christie Podcast with Brian Chilton and Curtis Evalo. This podcast is an exclusive production of Bellator Christie Ministries and is protected under Creative Commons copyright, all rights reserved. The views expressed on this podcast may not reflect the opinions of Bellator Christie Ministries and its affiliates. We thank you for listening and hope you'll consider leaving a positive review. To see more from Bellator Christie Ministries, 
go to bellatorchristi.com.